Radio Influence, podcasting redefined. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge on this last Wednesday of March 2019. This year is just chugging and chugging and chugging along, but we got to roll with the punches, as they say. Hey, we got a lot to cover, so I want to get right to it. Of course, last week I was down in South Georgia, Abbeville, Georgia. I was covering the Bo Dukes trial. Uh, To give you a recap of that, I was covering it for the Law and Crime Network, reporting from the courtroom. Uh, Bo Dukes uh, was convicted uh, of some charges, two counts of giving false information to investigators, one count of hindering the apprehension of a fugitive and disposing of a corpse or a human body, that body being that of Tara Grinstead. Uh, She was the former beauty queen slash teacher who went missing back in October of 2005 from her house down in uh, Osceola, Georgia. I was down in South Georgia all week covering his trial. Uh, He assisted the guy who's uh, on trial for the alleged murder, Ryan Duke, and disposing of Tara's body. Uh, they took her out to a pecan field that was owned by Bo Duke's uncle, set her on fire, and burned her body over a two-day period. Uh, so uh, Bo Duke's found guilty on thir- last Thursday. This past Friday, the judge sentenced him to the uh, maximum per each count, which totaled 25 years in prison for Bo Dukes. Uh, so he's also facing similar charges in um, the surrounding county, the neighboring county, for the exact same thing. And he's also facing two counts of uh, uh, alleged rape and kidnapping that uh, from an incident that took place back on New Year's Eve of this year. So I guess the moral of the story is Bo Dukes is not getting out of prison anytime soon. Uh, And speaking of getting out of prison, that leads me to my next subject that I want to talk about here, uh, which kind of has me really upset, Uh, definitely has Chicago police really upset, and a lot of people in general really upset. Uh, As you may have heard on yesterday, uh, the state attorney of Illinois, Kimberly Fox, decided to drop all charges uh, against Jesse Smollett, a.k.a. Justin Smollett. And if you remember, he came up with this elaborate hoax uh, where he says he was attacked back in January on the coldest night of the year at three in the morning in Chicago by two white uh, MAGA supporters who allegedly raid, uh, yelled racial slurs, uh, called him all kind of homophobic uh, expletives and all of that good stuff. Uh, fast forward, you know, Chicago police did an extensive investigation uh, to come to find out that it was a hoax. Not only the the alleged uh, beating was a hoax, but the letter that was sent to uh, Fox Entertainment where they film Empire was a hoax as well, sent by Jesse Smollett. Uh, so, you know, um, Chicago police did an extensive investigation 
Come to find out it was all a hoax. These two Nigerian brothers were behind it. They assisted in this hoax. They came forward as witnesses uh, for the state against Smollett. And he was, uh, his grand jury came back with 16 counts of, uh, I think they call it disorderly conduct there in Cook County, which essentially is the umbrella charge for filing false police report. 16 counts, 16 felonies. So, of course, Jesse Smollett faced up to 64 years in prison if found guilty. But in a bombshell yesterday, uh, the state attorney, Kim Fox, who recused herself originally, if you remember, recused herself originally from this case, dropped all charges. And they cited that he forfeited his $10,000 bond, which you know, even though he did this hoax because he wasn't getting enough money on his salary with Empire, even though it was about 120000 an episode. So if I do the math, $10,000 is really not a lot of money if you're making 120000 per episode. If you take 10000 you still got 110000 which is more than most people make a year. But anyway, he surrendered his hundred, he surrendered his $10,000 bond, and supposedly he did two days of community service. Now, that community service consisted of stuffing envelopes to send out to charity organizations and assisting in some kind of production where he actually critiqued the production. So when you take a deeper dive, and again, Kim Fox had recused, recused herself. Now, there are rumors that uh, her office received a $408,000 donation Four hundred eight thousand, not four hundred dollars. Definitely not thirty five hundred dollars that the two Nigerian brothers were paid by Smullett, but four hundred eight thousand dollar donation from a very famous attorney who happens to be associated with another famous attorney who is now under charges of bank fraud, wire fraud, and extortion for Nike. Uh, but anyway, so she gets this donation, and not only that, while Chicago police again spent countless hours investigating this thing and you had a grand jury convene that spent countless hours coming up with this indictment behind the back of everyone else kim fox was working with one of michelle obama's former aides trying to get help for jesse smollett so now i understand why she recused herself originally because her plan was always to go behind the backs of the Chicago Police Department, the Chicago Superintendent, Eddie Johnson, the men and women who spent hours investigating this. Her plan was always to go behind their back and try to get help for Jesse Smollett. Because not only is she friends with Smollett, whether she wants to admit it or not, of course, she's friends with uh, this attorney who used to work for Michelle Obama. And all of a sudden, boom. The charges are dropped. Not only dropped, they're expunged. So what does that mean? Guess what? You and I will never get to see the evidence that Chicago police had against Smollett other than the indictment, which was already released as public record. But from what I understand, they had video. They had confessions from the two Nigerian brothers. They had all of this evidence which we will never get to see because, you know, Jesse Smollett paid his debt to society by paying his $10,000 and by doing his two days of community service. Now, 
first of all, I don't understand how you can do community service prior to your conviction, because usually community service is part of your conviction orders. It's part of what you have to do as restitution when you're convicted. So yesterday, Jesse Smollett goes out. He does this press conference after his attorney speaks and just trashes the Chicago Police Department and basically pointing fingers and making him the victim again. He makes the statement that everything I've said has been truthful. I've never been untruthful from the beginning of this. Well, therefore, that is another lie. So would that be the 17th count of making a false statement? Because when you went to the police and you told them to turn their body cams off because you didn't want them to catch you in your lies, you told them they had masks on, but you could clearly see the eye and nose area of them and they were white males. That was a lie. When you said they were yelling MAGA and racist slurs, that was a lie. When you went on Good Morning America and they showed you the steel footage of the two Nigerian brothers that you hired and you said, yep, there's no doubt in my mind, those are the men that attacked me. That part was true, but the attack part was a lie. So nothing Smollett ever said from the beginning besides his name was the truth. And besides going to Subway because that was on video, but of course that was part of the elaborate plan to go to Subway when it's minus 40 degrees and it's three in the morning and it just happens to be these two so-called white guys who happen to see you walking down the street at the exact same time. Nothing he said was truthful. So what kind of message does this send? Well, first of all, I, I personally think Fox, she needs to be looked into. I think an investigation needs to go into that and to see if she did anything criminal, which I'm sure if you look at the laws and articulate the law, she probably did something criminal. So not only should she recuse herself from this case, as she claims she did, she should probably recuse herself from that office as the state attorney, because let's talk about precedents. We got a guy named R. Kelly, who's in Cook County. Is he now able to walk free? he's accused of some pretty serious stuff. So if he knows the Obamas or if he gets to Kim Fox, will she make the same deal for him? And just think about the impact of R. Kelly's that the impact that would have on R. Kelly's victims if he walked free, because there's a lot of Jesse Smollett victims. There's the black community. There's anybody who supports President Trump. There's the LGBTQT community, all of these people that Jesse said he was doing this in the name for, they're all victims of his scam. So now after dropping the charges, these 16 charges against Smollett, you've just made all of his victims feel like, well, what the hell? All of these people that supported him have now become victims because they supported his lie because of what they're going through in their life. And now all the charges are dropped. So imagine you do that with R. Kelly. Well, oh, and another thing, she said Smollett was an outstanding member of the community and he's influenced the community of Chicago. Well, heck, R. Kelly's from Chicago. He lives in Chicago. I'm sure outside of what he's accused of doing, he's given money to the community at some point. 
He's done a charity basketball event, which I know for a fact he's done several of those in Chicago. So technically, he's an outstanding member of Chicago. He's given to the community. So what message will that send if she just said, you know what, I'm going to drop all of these charges. I'm invoking my right as the state attorney to drop all of the charges against Robert Kelly. What kind of impact would that have on his victims? Where would that leave his victims? Now, you may be saying that's not a laughing matter. You're right. It's not a laughing matter because if you're charged with 16 felonies, no matter how big or small, you should have your day in court. You should let the jury decide if you are guilty or innocent of those charges. It should not be the state attorney who happens to be friends with the former aide of Michelle Obama. And especially since, think about this, especially since this whole thing was made up on some political BS because you don't like the president of the United States. So you come up with this story and you point the finger and say it was two guys wearing MAGA hats. So now the same person who recused herself from the investigation is using her influence with the former first lady of this country to get you off scot-free. If you're not outraged by that, whether you support the black community, the white community, President Trump, President Obama, the LBGQT community, whether you're straight, whether you're homosexual, whether you're gay, whether you're bisexual, if that doesn't upset you that this could happen in 2019, something is seriously wrong with you because this has nothing to do with who the president is. This has to do with right and wrong. And what Kim Fox did quite simply was wrong. And I tell you what, if I was a defense attorney in the city of Chicago and I had a defendant, black, white, gay, straight, I don't care. But if I had a defendant and they were facing serious charges, I would say, hey, listen, why don't I just have my client do two days of community service and they can pay your office $10,000? And why don't we just let them off free? Oh, I don't care if they just robbed a store and they shot somebody and they died. You're giving out deals to this other guy who happens to be black, who looks like my client. I don't care that my client's not on this star TV show. I don't care if my client doesn't have a picture with the Obamas. I don't care that you know the state attorney. Uh, I don't care that, you know, he says he doesn't support the president. I just want my client to get community service two days and he can pay you this $10,000 and he needs to walk free because that's the president precedent that this shows that, well, you know what? If you got enough money and if you know the right people, you can get off now. We hear this term so much, privilege, more specifically, white privilege. Again, not something I like or agree with because there's a lot of white people out there struggling just like everybody else. But when you when when you go on the media and you say these terms and you say this and you, you beat it in people's head because people are using their white privilege because President Trump's in office. Well, what kind of privilege was this? Think about it. What kind of privilege was this? Because now you got this guy who 
happens to be a celebrity who gets off scot-free because he happens to have a picture with the Obamas and the state attorney who recused herself happens to know the aide of Michelle Obama. Then he walks. You want to talk about privilege? I couldn't go into the city of Chicago and make up some bullcrap hate crime, call the police, have them spend thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars doing it, and then expect to get off scot-free because I'm no Denzel, but I'm a halfway decent guy. Smollett, he's a halfway decent looking guy. I still couldn't go in there and say, yeah, I did it, but I've been truthful. So you need to just let me go. Doesn't work that way. So when you talk about privilege, what kind of privilege did Smollett just get? And I tell you what, Fox, Kim Fox, the state attorney of Illinois, in my opinion, needs to be investigated. Listen, Bob Mueller, from what I understand, just freed up a lot of time on his schedule because he just finished a whole two-year investigation. I don't think this investigation would take quite as long because I think the evidence is there. But Kim Fox needs to be investigated. And in my opinion, she needs to step down from office because she just strained the relationship between the city of Chicago Police Department and the state attorney's office. And they have to work hand in hand. They have to be in collusion, if you will, with each other because Chicago police, they investigate, they arrest felons, criminals, killers, murders, rapists, drug dealers. And they have to turn that evidence over to the state attorney. And the state attorney has to go through with the prosecution of said killers, rapists, drug dealers, felons. So what message did she just send to the police department? Like, I don't really care what you guys do. At the end of the day, I'm going to do what I want to do because I'm Kim Fox and I'm the state attorney. So screw you guys. Screw what you did. All of that stuff because I'm the woman. <laughs> well, as you can imagine, the superintendent of Chicago Police, Eddie Johnson, quite irate. Even the mayor, who you know I don't always agree with, but I will agree with on this says it's a whitewash of justice, which it is because he broke the law. He should be held accountable for that. He should not just get a free pass because of who he knows and then get on camera and smile and smirk while talking about the Chicago Police Department. He should not get a free pass for that. Now, if I were the city of Chicago, Eddie Johnson, the mayor, I would take him to court, sue him civilly for the wasted man hours and time spent. Now, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if Smollett tries to sue the city of Chicago Police Department for smearing his name and making him out to be a bad guy. But if I was the city of Chicago, because from what I understand and based on reading the indictment on what they have as far as evidence, they had the evidence to prove their case in court. But, you know, technically according to the state prosecutor, it doesn't exonerate him. It just clears everything up. No, that doesn't clear everything up because if you've done no wrong as you claim, have your day in court. Sit in front of a daggone prosecutor and let them ask you questions. That's what you do. You don't call in favors because you got a picture with the Obamas and 
you've been a member of Chicago for the last 15 years and you've been an outstanding member of the community. Well, remember what I said. So is R. Kelly. But I don't see them letting R. Kelly off because of this. But heck, if I was his attorney, I might just ask for it to be quite honest with you because, hey, it is what it is. May as well. And like I said, if I was a defense attorney in the city of Chicago, I'd be asking, hey, my client needs to get uh, community service, pay this fine, and they need to keep it moving. And you need to let it happen. That's just me. But whatever. So on to the next because we're almost out of time. Pittsburgh, PA. Um, the the officer, former officer, I guess, of East Pittsburgh, uh, Michael, uh, golly, what was his name? Uh, it'll come to me in a second. But uh, shot and killed Antoine Rose um, last year during a traffic stop. So he was acquitted, found guilty uh, of uh, the murder of Antoine Rose. And, of course, the city has been protesting, which, hey, everyone has the right to protest. Um, now, some of those protests have turned a little violent, and it reminded me of 1994 and a guy by the name of Reginald Denny that was beaten after the Rodney King riots. Um, there was a, a white guy who was beaten by a bunch of teens that were blocking the road, and he got out of the car to confront them about that, and uh, they essentially just drug him down the road and assaulted him. But uh, he was found not guilty, this officer, and uh, surprisingly, the jury foreman was African-American, and he made a statement to the local news after the verdict that said, hey, we looked at the evidence fairly impartial, and we looked at it from the standpoint of what would the officer be thinking. Of course, that's what it comes down to. Uh, so background, if you're not familiar, Antoine Rose was a 17-year-old teen, uh, shot and killed by this officer, uh, Michael Rosfeld, uh, in East Pittsburgh. But um, uh, police were called to a drive-by shooting. They stopped the car that matched the description as they were trying to handcuff the driver. Antoine got out of the car and fled. Boom. He shot three times. Uh, of course, he dies. So uh, this jury foreman said, hey, we looked at all the evidence and what they did during the court, during the trial, was show the video of the actual drive-by shooting. And you can actually see caught on one of the street cams, someone put, pointing the gun outside the car, shooting nine times. They hit this individual that was on the street who didn't die. Uh, but he's firing back, too. So, as of course, when the police stop the vehicle, everyone gets out and flee. Now, um, Antoine was not armed at the time he was shot. But according to the testimony that the jury heard during the trial, they believe that uh, this former officer, Michael uh, Rosfeld, had every intention to believe that there was an imminent threat against his life are the public so here's a little bit about uh here's what uh i believe his name is jesse rawls senior had to say about that a felony stop they knew the cop knew michael knew that these kids been deliberations so he says the cop knew that these kids have been shooting and 
in the cop's mind, he had every right, every reason to believe that at that point there was an imminent threat against the public or the officer. Because the jury, they saw the video, again, of someone pointing the gun out. And it's not clear on the video who it is, who it was. Someone sticking their hand out of the uh, uh, back passenger side window, shooting at someone and that person shooting back. So jury found them not guilty. Uh, but, you know, I always find it interesting when you see these types of cases and people say it's about race and not understanding what police do in the mindset of a police officer at that time. And I'm not saying one way or the other if I justify the shooting, because I always say I don't Monday morning quarterback an officer's decision when I was not there, when I was not in that situation. I can always only talk about my decision or what I would do. Um, yeah, I, I always find it interesting, though, when uh, one of the uh, we don't know how many on the jury were African-American, but you just heard uh, that jury foreman, uh, Jesse Rawls Sr., talking about why they made the decision they did. Um, so you, you you really have to think, you really have to think, put into consideration that, you know, maybe it wasn't about race, even though that's what we always hear. Maybe it was about the facts of the case, because at the end of the day, the law is the law. And, you know, uh, Antoine Rose's mother, who, of course, was obviously upset, understandably upset, said she was going to fight to change the laws about a fleeing felon. So when she said that, I assume that part of the testimony that came out in court was the fleeing felon rule. Uh, so she said she's going to fight to change that. But, you know, at the end of the day, we can have this debate until we're blue in the face about these police shootings and it always being about race. But A, we can't have that debate if we're not having a full debate and being honest and saying it happens not only to black people across this country, but white, Asian, Chinese, the numbers don't lie. The numbers are there. Um, you know, the law of the land is the law of the land. And it goes back to accountability. Now, it is definitely sad that Antoine at 17 lost his life, especially me being a father of a 17-year-old young man. Uh, but one thing I always tell my son is respect the law enforcement. Don't run from law enforcement, especially me being former law enforcement, because, again, my job when you run is to chase you, especially after you've been uh, alleged in a drive by shooting. My job is to chase you to make sure you're not a threat to the public. So it goes back to to accountability. You know, we we, we have to start teaching not only accountability, but how to interact with law enforcement. Because, okay, you did this drive-by shooting, the guy got shot in the leg. Okay, you get an aggravated assault charge, you're a juvenile, you may spend six months, you know, they may try you as an adult, you may spend a few years, but you walk away with your life if you comply with police, you follow their commands, and don't do anything that would cause a police officer to have to use force against you especially deadly force. So we can continue to have this conversation about black and white, white and black, it only happening in the black community. But until we start teaching those certain things, those certain aspects, we will always have that problem because I always live by the model, live to fight another day. You can't fight 
if you're not alive. And if you do things that will make a reasonable officer believe there's an imminent threat, i.e. drive-by shooting and then take out running, then chances are you're not going to make it out of there uh, unscathed. So we just really need to start having these conversations in the communities that, hey, this is how you interact with police. This is how you go home safe. You know, if you if you got to take a charge, man up and take the charge. But at least you live to see another day. All right, I'm out of time. It's time for my 10-7 segment. Tonight, I want to honor Deputy Sheriff Peter Herrera, El Paso County Sheriff's Office, El Paso, Texas. End of watch, Sunday, March 24, 2019. Deputy Sheriff Peter Herrera succumbed to wounds sustained when he was shot after pulling over a vehicle uh, in San Antonio at 1.50 a.m. I'm sorry, in El Paso at 1.50 a.m. He had stopped the vehicle for a registration violation near the corner of Chicken Ranch Road and Sakara Road. He approached the car and asked the driver to step out. As the driver exited the vehicle, he fired 15 rounds, striking Deputy Herrera multiple times. Deputy Herrera did not have an opportunity to draw his own weapon. The driver and the passenger then fled the scene in the vehicle, but it stalled out several blocks away. The two men then fled on foot, but were located and apprehended a short time later by responding deputies. The driver was charged with first-degree murder. A civilian and members of the U.S. Border Patrol and El Paso County Sheriff's Office provided aid to Deputy Herrera. He was transported to a local hospital in critical condition, where he succumbed to his wounds two days later. Deputy Herrera had served with the El Paso County Sheriff's Office for 11 years. He is survived by his wife. And I don't know how many times I have to say it. Maybe I'll say it until it really sinks in to everybody. Nothing routine about policing. Nothing routine about a simple traffic stop because this was vehicle registration. He was shot 15 times, hit multiple times. He died two days later. All right, I want to thank you for listening so much. I appreciate you as always. I love you. I will see you same time, same place, right here next week, RadioInfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a sitting ringside with David Penzer. Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Please welcome to City Ringside, soon-to-be Hall of Famer, one half of Harlem Heat, Stevie Ray. How much do you wish uh, Sherry Martell could could be there, and how excited do you think oh. she'd be, to be, oh my to, God. to be there? Oh, my God. Would that be great? I was thinking I was about that, thinking, man. I was just thinking about that the other day, man. I was just thinking about that the other day. How cool would it have been for all three of us to be on the tag team, you know, to go in all at the same time, and it's that one last hurrah, man. Not only did we work together, man, we rode together. You know what I'm saying? We, yeah. were, all, we, we were, we were, we were a team through and through. Yep. And do you know those are those are my best memories? Sitting ringside with David Penzer can be found on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com. 